Welcome to Confessions of a Sales Pro. My very special guest this week is a gentleman by the name of Alex Levine, co-founder and CEO of Regal IO in New York City. Alex leads the GTM teams. Prior to Regal IO, Alex was a product manager at Personal and Thomson Reuters and then joined Handy, which was acquired by ANGI in 2018 as an early employee. At Handy and ANGI, Alex led growth and marketing. Alex grew up in New York City and received his BA from Harvard. Alex, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. I know you're busy. Things are, are hopping for you back uh, on the East Coast. So uh, on behalf of the listeners, before we jump in, I just want to thank you for your time today, Alex. And uh, I know the insights you're going you're gonna to shed on us today. I'm always curious about uh, my guest backstories. So maybe, Alex, could you tell us a little bit about what is Regal IO? What is it, what is it all about? So uh, just as you were saying, before this, my co-founder and I were at a company called Handy, which is acquired by Angie, and we became the largest home improvement company in the world. So we did more home improvements than anybody in the world. And we found that you know more and more customers we're discovering us online, so that discovery shifted online. But then if we only had a self-serve uh, onboarding experience, a lot of people dropped out. Because it was a considered purchase, you know, it was your home, it was important, it was a little bit harder to figure out, slightly more expensive things to buy. So what we did is we made sure that uh, we would also talk to the customers. So, you know, they'd come in and if they didn't buy, we'd call them and say, hi, this is, you know, Angie. And we see you're looking for a fence, you know, how can we help you? And we found that just having that human connection, you know, massively increased conversion. Looking back on it, it makes a lot of sense, right? You know, building that trust, disambiguating sort of some of the com complex things that were online for this more considered purchase was, was very important. The challenge was there really wasn't any software built for this, you know, high velocity B2C sales motion. Um, so we left and started Regal on that premise that we want to build software for these teams that knew, you know, the world was moving to digital, but still needed to have a conversation with the customer. And it's largely industries like, you know, healthcare, insurance, lending, local services, education. You know, they weren't the first ones to go online because they were a little more considered. But, you know, everyone who shops online now expects to do everything online. So they're forcing all their providers to go online. And, you know, the providers are using us to basically take everything that the customer is doing online, all the first-party data that they have about the customer, and figure out when the customer needs help and figure out how to engage that person in a, in a phone or SMS conversation to help them get to the outcome they want. So that's a bit about our business. You know, at this point, uh, we, you know, we've raised money from venture capital. We've, we've grown quite a bit over the last uh, two or three years and are now serving, you know, a lot of uh, very well-known brands across those industries that I mentioned. That's that's a great, exciting uh, start, uh, Alex, for sure. I, I love what you did there with, you know, observing you know your own self-discovery where self-serve uh, onboarding there was a high dropout ratio, right? So you said, well, well maybe maybe there's a, a better way to do this. Maybe tech and people together, not just tech versus people, but tech and that human element. Uh, let's talk to the customers. I, I, what a refreshing strategy in this over-digitized world that, that we tend to live in today. Uh, phenomenal and way to listen to your customers. So how can businesses today, Alex, best utilize the telephone in marketing? 
Uh, yeah, so, you know, it's a loaded question, but I'll, I'll, I'll get started and then you can, you know, point, tell me where you want to go. So, you know, definitely, I'd say the first thing that happened when everything moved online was that, you know, categories like, uh, you know, basic e-commerce categories like, you know, selling CDs, you know, moved online. It was such a commodity product that, you know, you put a picture and a price and review and people bought. And, you know, where, where there are products where, you know, returns are easy, that's relatively low barrier and so people don't need to have that much of a conversation. I think to the point I made before, what what's changed now is customers are expecting other categories to be online. And so there's uh, categories now that are more complicated and always had a human being helping you. So, you know, you wouldn't buy something like life insurance on your own. And so for these categories, they need that human touch, you know, that sales uh, person, so to speak. So I think first is, you know, don't get caught up in the mindset that digital businesses can't have sales. I think that's the first mistake I made and a lot of people made um, when they saw what happened to retail. They assumed all businesses would have the same retail playbook. They won't, right? So high consideration industries will have a very different playbook that will include human beings. Just in the same way, you know, B2B sales include a human being. So I don't think, uh, you know, people understood that there'd be different models online and that was a, a sort of a big mistake second is think through you know really uh what you can afford as a business so you know in b2b SaaS, maybe you can afford a two hundred thousand dollar a year person that you know works in their own ways and you let them go about but the reality is that in a product like home services where maybe you know let's say it's a four hundred dollar uh you know fan installation or something like that you know, you can't afford a $200,000 salesperson to do it. You need to find a model that's very high efficiency, meaning that, that it's, you know, a, a, a person that is maybe less experienced and is doing many more conversations with customers in a day, but is still finding ways to uh, personalize their message and treat, you know, all these customers they're talking about, uh, talking with like one in a million. And so that's the second big learning is how to use technology to do this in a very scalable, efficient way so that you're not, um, you know, either either sort of paying too much for salespeople that are too expensive, or on the other side, which is also bad, treating everybody the same and just dialing for dollars and not knowing sort of how to, you know, treat every customer like they're special. Um, I'd say the third thing that we, you know, we, we sort of start with with folks is, you know, this is not uh, necessarily a very pushy sale. You know, it can be very open-ended. So take... Um, uh, use use banking as an example for this. So as a lot of banks moved online, they removed any human touch. What they found is that the rate of people funding their accounts went way down. So in the old days, when you walked into a bank, you know, you'd open a bank account and 90% of the time you'd fund it. Online, you might open a bank account, but only 20 or 30% of the time do people fund it. So they have this problem. And, you know, what they find is, sure, you can build a nice brand, sure, you can build nice technology, but everybody has that. The, the differentiator in something like that, like, you know, uh, online banking could be a human being who's actually helping you uh, deposit the money, helping you set up your checking savings account so that you're not, you know, making mistakes or maybe helping you move money into a savings account when you have too much in your checking account. So, of course, you know, those are opportunities to differentiate on service. So don't look at it as, you know, uh, a cost center. Look at it as an opportunity for your brand to stand out online. I love what you're talking about there. And you're right. Customers' expectations continue to evolve with, 
what's possible online. Like it's, 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 if we can do that, why can't we do this and this as well? And it's not a set it and forget it. Tech, you know, give it to the tech and it'll look after it for you. Because as you say, the drop-off rates, the, the lack of conversion uh, without that human touch. So efficiency, scaling, you know, service can be your differentiation. I, I really love that the, that the people aspect is at the heart of everything you're talking about, even though it's tech-assisted. That people are are very much at the heart of the of the business model. So, Alex, you you've done this with uh, tons of companies. What are some of the biggest mistakes you see businesses making in their outbound marketing strategy these days? So, I think you know there's a lot of great marketing happening. So, I definitely don't want to paint you know everything with uh, with one brush. I will say there's a couple tricks and sort of. Um, a piece of advice that I try to give people as they're sort of getting deeper into marketing so that they can move up the sort of maturity ladder, if you will, with their marketing. And at the very highest level, I'd say the message is, you know, the more personalization you use, the better the engagement and the results will be. So, you know, you can't write each person an email yourself. Like, it, that doesn't scale. So you need to use technology, again, to learn more about the customer, build a unified customer profile, figure out how to reach them in the right channel in the right moment with the right message and then drive to, you know, the outcome you want. But, you know, gone are the days of sending everybody the same email. Gone are the days of, you know, you know, having one person working on direct mail and another person working on email and then not knowing what the other is doing. That stuff is, is not acceptable anymore to customers and they will reject brands that are not, you know, sort of orchestrating their outreach. More than that, you know, brand, brands that are ignoring what customers say when they talk with the customer and not including that knowledge in their marketing are also going to lose. Because right? customers expect that if they come to you and they tell you what their problem is, you should listen to them so that the next time you market to them, uh, you hear. So I think the critical, the critical part is how do you uh, – build a technology stack that allows you to use first-party data, what happens in a conversation, build that customer profile to be able to go out and do this marketing in a very smart way. And, you know, I think a lot of people are working towards that. You know, in email marketing, there's a couple solutions. In direct mail, there's a couple solutions. Regal is the first solution for that when it comes to, you know, conversational channels like phone and SMS. We're very proud of that. Uh, I think within that context, the, the second piece of advice I give people is, uh, don't assume you only need to, you know, talk to somebody or, you know, outreach to somebody once. Um, you probably are going to have to hit them seven, eight times before they decide they want to, you know, talk to you or buy your product. And that's okay. That doesn't mean you have a bad product. It doesn't mean you have bad marketing. It's just how it works. So, you know, if, if you're able to, the ideal is actually to concentrate your marketing on a very specific subset of users. So as an example, don't go spend a budget on, t you know, TV ads nationally that wouldn't be as good a strategy. Instead, you know, focus on one city block in a city that you know has exactly the demographic you want to reach. Uh, do door hangers, lead, uh, send direct mail, uh, have street teams outside, advertise on digital channels that can target to geo. Um, you know, also do uh, TV ads perhaps just to that one area or do digital ads where you know you can target it to that geo. So when that person looks around and they go, oh my goodness, like, this is the only business that seems to do the thing I want within my area. You seem like the institutional player. So don't worry about national penetration. Worry about how do you find the exact customer you want 
and and push your marketing to them in a way that makes them feel like they're involved. Historically, outbound marketing was a one-way effort, right? I told the customer what I wanted them to hear. And I think that for a long time worked, but really you're seeing decreasing um, you know, results from that. And that's sort of the story of marketing, right? Whatever thing works one day, over time, everybody does it, and then you see just, you know, results that are less good from, from that thing. So I think the new standard now is to not just speak to customers, but it's to listen to them, meaning engage them in a conversation. Whether you're using an AI bot to do that, which may be a less good customer experience, but it's a starting point, or you're actually using humans, you know, as you know, sales or retention or upsell or cross-sell or win-back to do it, you know, listening to your customers is a really important new part of outreach. You know, I what I hate is, uh, you know, if a, a person sends me an email and I respond and they don't engage my response, that was wasted, right? Or when I see these brands that send their marketing emails from a no-reply at email, I, I hate that. Like, they're just telling yeah. me something. They don't really care about me as a customer enough to engage. Yeah, it's a, it's a spray and pray when it's one way like that, Alex. I totally know what you're talking about. I like that you sat around, you know, personal messages, building that unified profile with that data. The data is so valuable. It's so refreshing to hear you talk about the importance of listening and marketing, which has always been huge in the world of selling forever. Um, but let's build that listening into marketing as well. Seven, eight touches does not surprise me. It's not uh, one and done, set it, forget it, you know, hope somebody buys something. You're trying to develop uh, a, a bit of a relationship with your marketing outreach. Uh, and you, you, you talked about something else that intrigued me there, Alex. You talked about brand conversations. Why should, you know, why should brands have conversations with their customers? Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's a couple things. Like, I guess I'll start by saying I'm not suggesting you should have a conversation in every moment. So, you know, we know that often, you know, there are things that customers want that are better handled with self-serve. So if they just want to, you know, reschedule, like they're better off, like clicking on a button, hitting, you know, your calendar and rescheduling, you don't need to talk to them for that, you know, or there are situations where, uh, you know, instead of, you know, going to a support agent, maybe a bot can handle that better. So I'm not suggesting everything has to be a conversation. But in certain moments, there are very high value moments, you know, think of on the way in, like a customer who's trying to buy your product or, you know, in the month one retention period, or maybe it's when they're thinking about leaving your product. Like these are moments where you should have that conversation and it is an opportunity to do more than what's on your website. You know, imagine most of your customers are viewing your website on their mobile phone. So they're on this tiny little screen trying to figure out, you know, the information they need. And, you know, they're busier than ever, so their their attention span is shorter. And, you know, if they don't get exactly what they need, they go off and help their kid with, the, you know, their homework. They do the next thing. So right. actually being able to engage them in a conversation means that you can figure out what the real questions are, help them understand the answers, and then make sure that their attention is on that for long enough to be able to get to the resolution before they jump to the next thing in their life. Makes, makes complete sense. And ha there are those special precious moments of truth where a conversation means the difference between losing something and winning something. I, I and, and a lot of things you've been talking about that some are traditional and found new ways to happen with technology, but then it's just a lot of change overall. So Alex, in your opinion, how has marketing changed in this digital age we find ourselves in today? 
So, you know, I think for, for, uh, for better or for worse, I'm very much on the side of using first party data, not third party data. So I'll start there as a, a you know, starting point, which is I, I think the best marketers are not trying to steal your information. They're not trying to buy it from some random place. What they're trying to do is, is, is figure out based on how you're interacting with, uh, with the company, uh, how they should treat you. So if I go back, you know, to the analog equivalent. When I was a kid, I banked at this tiny bank in my town called M&T Bank. And M&T Bank was uh, a bank that still had old school retail bankers. And these folks like really helped you to do what you needed. And I remember like there was this guy, Tom, who helped me out. And, you know, whenever I needed something, he'd be there. So now every now and again, the bank made mistakes, but I didn't churn. Right. I went, oh, well, you know, they make mistakes. I still know Tom. It's okay. You know, I'll I'll stay here. I think these days what's happening is that one, a lot of brands have just lost service or any kind of component of that service altogether. Right. None of these on, all right. Many of these online banks don't have any relationship. And so as I was talking about before, that's a mistake. But then, you know, when it comes to actually thinking about how to do it, they're, they're, thinking about it wrong, they should be thinking, how do I treat millions of customers like one in a million? How do I do for every customer the thing that Bob in the analog world, you know, did for me, right? Because if I, they can do that, they'll earn customers for life. And they're instead, they're sort of thinking too much about how to trick customers into doing something or how to you know, overwhelm them until they do something or, you know, it's the wrong attitude. Instead, use what the customer is telling you to drive to this this experience for the customer that never could have been done uh, before. Love, I love your bank example on that, Alex. I can totally relate to it as well. Back in the days, you had a banker, and they were stable. They'd stay there for a number of years before they'd turn it over. And you built that, that magic of word you're talking about, relationships. Some of the technologies, yeah. some of the brands today are trying to just drive this serviceless environment and treat customers like sheep line up and get branded one at a time. Well, you know, we're not going to talk to you. Just stay in your place and you won't lose your line, right? So that's, I, you said something that's really near and dear to my heart, uh, Alex. I love that you said it. Customers for life and happy customers do something else that we all love and that's bring referrals. They bring their friends. So uh, in such a digital noisy world, it's great to hear that the relationship stands up uh, over time. And tech can be its friend. Tech can be a tool to help us, but never lose sight of the fact of what we're after are those relationships. Uh, listen, yeah. listen, Alex, you, you've shared some wonderful insights uh, uh, with our listeners today. Again, before I let you go, how can our listeners reach out to get a hold of you if they'd like to learn more about uh, Regal I.O. or you personally, your services, your software, how can the listeners best reach out to give you a, to give you a show? Of course. So, you know, they can certainly go to Regal.io, uh, learn more about us. Uh, there's, we have a couple podcasts there as well if they want to listen. And then you can always email me at hello at Regal.io uh, to learn more. You know, I love chatting with companies uh, for whom, you know, a sales team really is critical to their outcome. So if you're a large B2C brand, you know, and, and having sellers, whether that's admissions and education or onboarding and healthcare or, you know, an agent insurance or broker in another industry, you know, I'd love to chat with you. That's fantastic. Again, my special guest this week has been Alex Levine, co-founder, CEO of Regal.io in New York City. Alex, thank you for your time today, my friend. Thank you. 
And thank you all for listening to Confessions of a Sales Pro. If you have found this episode informative and helpful, we would be honored and appreciative if you would share this podcast with other great salespeople like yourself. And we look forward to you joining us for all new episodes weekly, every Thursday. Please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. If you'd like us to help you grow your sales commissions, visit us at salesmentoryou.com. Confessions of a Sales Pro. Lessons. More wins. With Ian Selby.